0: Behold the voice of God. For those of you who don't know me officially, my name is Amanda Waller. And I am Aaron Mosh, your host of Task Force X. What, are we some kind of Suicide Squad? Well, yeah, that and... Checkmate. Task Force X is a podcast that tells the stories of John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kupferberg's Checkmate from the late 80s, early 90s. I want to build a team of some bad people who can do some good. And that's what Suicide Squad is while Checkmate is a team of good people doing some good. My mission here is to chronicle each and every title and all the books that Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during that era. We're the U.S. government. <laughs> You're going to start a blog and expose us? Well have a blog and a headcast, Amanda. Those scumbags are trying to screw me. Not at all, Amanda. Just trying to help everyone else discover the joy of the Suicide Squad and Checkmate. Anywho, hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them. Oh, so many years ago. Motherfucker. That's enough of that, Amanda. Let's go and start the show. I didn't believe the stories. Nobody does. Remember, I'm watching. I see everything. Hey, welcome back to Task Force X, episode 42. Wow, 42. I'm actually getting up the high. Hmm. Anyways, let's go and start today's show. We are, to, we are going to continue our Janus Directive storyline. Well, it was a tough one for me to get out. Today we're going to be looking at Janus Directive uh, parts 9 and 10. The Janus Directive, an 11 part adventure from DC Comics, starring Check Me, Suicide Squad, Captain Adam, Project Peacemaker, The Manhunter, Firestorm, plus several others. Uh, the first part of this, Channel Directive Number Nine, was in Checkmate Number Eighteen. Cover date was June of 1989, but the on-sale date was April 25th of 1989. Cover price was one buck fifty. The title of this story was called "Night Fight." Written as usual by our buddy Paul Kupperberg, penciled by Steve Irwin, inker was Al Vey, letterer Gaspar Saldino, colorist Juliana Ferreter, and editor was Jonathan Peterson. The cover, of course, was done by Gil Kane. And this was reprinted also in The Suicide Squad, The Jazz Director, trade Paperback, which again count 2016. The synopsis, after learning that Cobra has pitted several government agencies against one another, the leaders of each agency join forces to oppose the cult leader. The President appoints Sarge Still to take charge of the operation. Still divides the resources consisting of the Checkmate, The Suicide Squad, Firestorm, Captain Adam, Major Force, and Peacemaker into three units. First, Firestorm and Captain Adam force Cobra's space arc from orbit. And then, a second unit, consisting of Checkmate and Suicide Squad members, board the ship. From inside, Manhunter works to free the hostages held by Cobra, including Dr. Miguel. During the attack, Cobra is angered, and decides to utilize his microwave weapon to defeat his foes. And as usual, the synopsis and the credits all comes from Mike's Amazing World comics. Uh, definitely check out Mike's site. It's a great website, and it's uh, very helpful to us podcasters. Uh, now let's go ahead and go to my thoughts on this actual issue. So our cover along the left-hand side, as we've been having, it says number 9. we get got our Janice Directive uh, trade dress. At the very bottom, says part 9 of 11. And the cover itself is a very beautifully drawn cover. Uh, we get, a, I believe this is the Ark. We get some Cobra soldiers being blown over the side. We get Peacemaker leaping over him. Okay, everybody, let's party. We get Valstock, Valentina swinging on a pole or something, knocking some Cobra agents out. We get uh, a Checkmate Knight uh, behind, attacking some Cobra guys that's going after Peacemaker. Uh, another one down here punching another one out. And then we get Duchess with her gun just blasting away at people. And as I said in the credits, this is a Gil Caden cover. If you look at this cover, you don't need me to tell you that. You don't need his initials or our signature or anything on here to tell you that. You can pretty much tell from people's faces. Gil Kane's got this distinctive style. And while it's not bad, it's very telling that it's Gil Kane. Especially here we see with uh, Duchess and kind of one of the Cobra guys getting knocked out. He, he's got this line work he does that it's, it's, it's very... I can't quite describe it again. If you, it's, it's kind of it's kind of heavy lining, I think um, I would need one of my buddies, like uh, Jared, the art the cell art artist. Uh, he could tell me what it is. But Gil Kane's got a very distinctive style, and you can usually tell if it's a Gil Kane piece by the again by the, the line work on it. And then we start off our story. I like to start on the first page. We get uh, I think this is Gary, one of our, our main nights' We've been following. I believe. Talking to the assembled knights. He's selling that that's all that's left of the night force. 38 of their friends have died over the last three days. And I did a quick count. There was like 20 people on this cover here, page here. So they lost over half their, their force. And again, he's just recapping saying, you know, you say, you know that even though they've all been brought in, it isn't over yet. Things can get worse before they're finished. It's, you know, usually these things go. And then you know, we get a closer up. Yeah, we do see it as, uh, I believe his name was Gary. And there's a reference here. He's talking about. I know most of you participated in the raid on the American Supremist party headquarters last year. And then there's an editor's note. As I said before, I love these referring you back to check checkmate number three. I covered that back on episode 21 back in April of 2016. Uh, We talked about checkmate three, and then also had Mark Mark Mark. It's Mike Mike Carvey from the uh, Waiting for Doom podcast. He joined me, so we do the Doom Patrol Suicide Squad special that month. Also, there's some character profiles, but I, I, as I've said before, I, I love whenever we get these uh, these editors' note referring to previous issues. Because again, in my opinion, these are very helpful. These are, are wonderful things they have. It helps us know where. Again, if you want to find these backstories, nowadays they would be free to. Trade paperback, which kind of annoys me, but that's another story entirely. Uh, so I forget this other guy's name next to Gary, but he's saying, you know, he's saying Gary's right. The enemy's using these ninja dudes called Black Adders, and they ain't no day at the beach. Uh, again, I get kind of a I don't know if he is or not. But I get kind of a surfer vibe from him. Yeah, Gary's right. The enemy is using these ninja dudes called Black Adders. And there ain't no day at the beach, man. <laughs> uh, that would be a Cheech and Chong type. I don't know what it is. Uh, but again, I like the Knights here getting geared up and getting ready. Help, people are helping each other get suited up and ready for the big battle coming up. And then we get somewhere in Earth orbit. We see the space arc. <clears throat> and we get Cobra expecting the, the, the final uh, f- finishing touches on his pulse cannon. Again, uh, he's been reading a lot of... Or watching some Star Wars, I think. He's got his own... Again, it's not quite a Death Star, but it, it's in the makings of. Uh, <laughs> and, he gets an, and he really likes his machinery. He comes up to it. He kind of... looks like he's hugging it almost. And then Cobra shall reign supreme. re the world those I've taken aboard the Ark. The world shall never know what has transpired until this done thing. Yeah, we get a monologuing about how you know he's pitted the, the uh, intelligence agencies against one another so they can't stop him from what he's doing. Uh, and again, not be confused with Cobra Commander, who would, talks kind of the same and does the same kind of stuff. So I, I don't know. Maybe they're related? I, I don't know. <laughs> and then elsewhere on the arc, we see uh, Mark Shaw dressed as one of the Black Adders, staring out into space, watching the Earth... I you know, like how he's sitting there, kind of uh, thinking to himself about how you know Earth looks defenseless, and th- you know how the heroes are the protect- the protectors of Earth. And he kind of he kind of recaps Manhunter number fourteen in case you missed that issue. Uh, how he faked his own death so that he could infiltrate Cobra's uh, Black Adders, cut loose, be a loose cannon, when the stuff hits the fan, and like uh, So he's saying. As I was saying, he's uh, so I infiltrate Cobras, Black Adders, be here as a loose kid, and When the stuff hits the fan, face it, Mark Shaw. What you're really hoping is that you don't get splattered by it when it does. And I don't know if he's saying Mark Shaw. I think that's just a shortcut for the writer. In case you don't follow the Manhunter series, you know who this is. Especially since he's not in his Manhunter costume here. He's just as a Black Adder. But you maybe who's this brown-haired guy? And if you said Mark, that would limit, narrow it down a little bit, but it's still a you wondering maybe who he is. So, it's interesting he calls himself Mark Shaw. but And then some other, you know, other uh, Black Hatter's come up. Oh, Black Hatter, come. We need to help guard Lord Naga Naga's prisoners. Uh, sure thing, Mark kind of pets the... And to me, and it maybe it's just me, that looks a little suspicious because it looks like he's pulling the collar of his shirt to hide his face. I think that'd be even more suspicious than a black cat, or they may not recognize right offhand. They walk up and they see a guy they don't recognize and he's trying to cover his face. I, I don't like to criticize Paul because, again, I've talked to him before. I think he's a great writer, he's a great man. I follow him on Facebook. He's a great guy. I don't like, and I don't like to criticize his work. But I love it. But I think that may personally have been a little bit of a mistake the way he's hiding. I mean, it doesn't have any repercussions in the book itself. But it just seems kind of odd that he's hiding his face from you know his fellow black adders, in quotes. And then he's taken down where we see Miguel and uh, I forget his name now. Miguel's assistant, Babylon. That's his name. Babylon down this, this holding pit with a bunch of other guys. And Mark recognizes Miguel as being part of uh, in the big wig government circles, as he calls it. And I like how he goes up to him and he wants to pass a message to him. Be on lookout. You know he knows that the uh, Suicide Squad and Checkmate and them is going to be attacking soon, and so he goes up and he acts like he he acts like Miguel has said something. He's like, "Would you see with the master, old man?" By the hell, all, whole, by all whole, that is holy, I should cut your filthy tongue, and Babylon. Hey, what are you? And Mark pulls his sword and tells you know Babylon to stand back, or I'll hit your head. And he pulls his he pulls his his uh, cloak his uh, suit open. So we can see his manhunter mask. And he kind of whispers to him, you know, be ready to act at a moment's notice. And he's like, ah, you're not worth blunting my blade on. And then he's called to uh, a meeting, whatever, and it's all well, brother? The master has summoned us to a before him. And Mark's like, all right, to immortal life. <laughs> I just like the way Mark's kind of fumbling his way through here. <laughs> And then we got to the White House where we get the president of the time, Bush. And again, some people complain about things like this, how they use actual presidents. I like it, even though it dates the book. And you may be reading this 30 years later, you know, we got the current president at the time in sitting here instead of some made-up president. But personally, I like these uh, real-world appearances, if you will, uh, of, you know, political leaders and, Things that pinpoint a place in time. Even though it makes it hard when you get a sliding time scale they use, uh, I like these little appearances that shows a slice of life at a time, if you will. And again, we get Bush talking to, the first Bush, talking to Sard Still. He's kind of recapping what's going on with him. And Still's telling Bush that you know it's a cooperative effort. The agency heads are coordinating matters. And Bush is like, are you sure that's wise? Till a few days ago, these people were trying to kill one another. There's bound to be bad blood between them. No Mister still, but this opera- operation requires a single chief. And I've got to be, and I've got to choose who that person will be. And then we've got the chick at headquarters. We've got their big monitor. We see Mark on the screen. Manhunter, Amanda Waller, Captain Adam. And we find out that uh, Manhunter's transmitting their position so the Intelligence committee, intelligence committee, intelligence community can pinpoint where the arc's at because it's cloaked. And you another reference. Again, I've said this before, and I'll keep saying until they stop doing it. I love these these references to other books. Again, as I've said before, I don't was here the other podcasts I do, but uh, now, I mean, for a while they stopped doing these, and now they're, they're kind of doing them again, but usually they refer them to a trade paperback. Being a floppy or a monthly fan, I, I enjoy when they tell you what issue that it's in instead of referring to a trade paperback collection or something. I mean, just me, I guess. But again, they're talking with Amanda on the monitor and still saying how... Or Amanda's talking about saying how the Ark's full of uh, kidnapped Cobra victims, uh, hostages. That's what they used. And they know his plans to destroy the planet or the world, the people of the world, and repopulate in his own image. And General Ealing say, "Well, there is always the nuclear option." And uh, Val's like, "You can't be serious! That'd be wholesale murder." And again, so Ealing is very much the kind that, that he doesn't care about innocent lives. He will—I mean, he cares about him, but again, he's uh, a member of the philosophy of the the needs of the. Many outweigh the needs of the few or something like that. So, even though there's innocent people on board, he's looking at the whole picture and he says, you know, we should wipe them out if we need to. And then we get the president calling in where he announces that. And I, I like here on page, uh, it's not numbered. It looks like it's about story page eight where Bush is announcing that Sarge Dill is going to be leading the military and Bush is saying how, given the severity of the situation, it's too too delicate, too, too uh, important to leave to a committee. And Ealing, e- 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 th- being the military, got unseen, scene. He's like, yeah, quite right, President. What's well, his knowledge of military strategy, and and Bush kind of cuts him off. He's like, I agree, General, which I decided to appoint to the Post, Sarge Dale. We get his logo, but I like to look on Ealing's e- faces. He's, you know, you he think he's going to be appointed. He's like, yeah, I'm the head honcho. I should be, da, da, da. And as he's talking, he realizes he's not being pet-in-charge, so his cigar drops out of his mouth. That kind of stuff cracks me up. And Star starts the his introduction. And then here on page, I'm going to call it page nine, uh, back at the Rev Prison in Louisiana, where we get Flo in the hospital bed. And again, the coloring's off here. This looks like in the hospital Bed, in the hospital bed it looks like a white woman with almost blonde hair when Flo's uh, actually a dark skinned lady and we get Firestorm sitting here talking to her and she's telling him, you know, thanks for coming to help us and Firestorm's like Dr. LaGrieve informed me that humanity. I could do no less and she's like, what are the reasons? You're doing the right thing thank you, okay well yes, I must be going, I have a job to do and uh Flows like. I Hope you realize how fortunate you are to have a friend like LaGrieve. Le- and Firestorm's like friendship. That is something I m- know. That is not something I know much about. Because again, this is the Elemental Firestorm where he's absorbed the personalities of Ronnie and Michael into him. So again, I was reading again as I said before. I was reading the Firestorm book at this time. I was enjoying it. It was totally different than what came before. But I, I liked how John, the Ossinger, played up. What's Came Before and kind of merged all into one. I thought he did a really good job with that book. I'm just sorry it wasn't more tied in seeing how they're using Firestorm, but again, any appearance of Firestorm I like, even this version of Firestorm, I, it's a different design. I enjoy the, the original puffy sleeve version better, but this this brown skin, flaming head one's not a bad look either. And then we get back to uh, Washington where Mr. Kel, who's, in quotes, in charge of the suicide squad as he a press conference. <laughs> and I'm just reading this again as I'm going through this. He's basically saying that, you know, national security prevents me from saying anything. And as he turns to leave, Lois Lane, being Lois Lane, comes busting through the door. Damn it, mister. It's going to come out eventually. You can't hide a war print in the tele- country's intelligence agencies. Cale's like, that's pure speculation, is Lane, of a dangerous variety. And she's like, why don't you let me be the... Why don't you... We let the public be the judge of that. And so she he takes her in to show her... He tells her he's going to give her the details. And then we cut back to Val Rev. Where we get Amanda Woller doing a uh, a mission briefing. And she talks about how, you know... What, the 18 Bronze Tiger, Vixen, Rav- Ravon, Punch and Julie... Captain Boomerang and Silent Majority... A majority is the one from the Fourth uh, 4th of July. They can multiply himself. Uh, they're going to be joining with the Knights, Blackthorn, Val Vostok, and Manhunter, who's already on board the target ship. Uh, the B team is going to be Major Victory, and that's the guy I can never remember from the Fourth Force, the Fourth Fourth of July. Yeah, Fourth of July is what they're called. Uh, let me see where was I? A Major Victory. There's Dr. Light, Nightshade, Duchess, Lady Liberty. Uh, that's the gal in Statue of Liberty Caution as part of the 4th uh, of July. Shade, Peacemaker, and Briscoe is going to pilot Sheba. And basically, the B team is the diversionary unit that's going to allow the A team to access the ship. Plus, they'll be in backup position to help free the prisoners. And again, she's now actually makes it a big mistake that Stills paying the safety of the hostages above the success, the success of the mission. So, know, it's just like orders are orders. I'm gonna do what I'm told, even if I hate it. And for some reason, I was thinking Amanda Waller was an opposite side that she wanted to protect the victims, also the hostages, also. But to me, it seems like she's much of the same mind that if she needs to, she'd rather wipe out the hostages and be done with it. And so we get the uh, again some, some story-wise here going about how we get the checkmate knights find their planes, and then we get Sarge still so talk about the C team which consists of Firestorm, Captain Adam, and Major Force. And I like this page and this this little setup here because uh, over on the DC Comics Presents show, I did an, uh, an episode with uh, Buddy Jay Jones where we talked about a DC Comics Presents issue. I think it was issue 90, where Firestorm, Pre-Crisis Firestorm and the Pre-Crisis Captain Adam teamed up. And again, I, so I like how these two are teaming up again here. Uh, there's no reference, because again, Firestorm's completely, completely different, and I don't believe this is the same Captain Adam that was then, and I remember in that story, they couldn't be too close to each other, otherwise their powers would cause problems, but now, well again, since Firestorm's not so much a uh, a nuclear man, but a fire elemental, they may not have that same problem, or maybe uh, Paul Comfort didn't realize about that issue there, I don't know, but Again, seeing how are completely different, it doesn't bother me that they're not referencing it. Though I I personally would have liked it if there would have been some mention about that. But at this point, post-crisis, did that story happen? Uh, Captain Adam didn't go through that phase. Anything in that costume or in that time period was undercover story, supposedly, so I I don't know. Uh, And then we get to space where we see... Captain Adam and Firestorm talking. Again, I love the talk between these two. And again, Firestorm at this point in his life is very formal because again, he's just been reborn not too long ago as the Fire Elemental. And they see how large the ship is and Captain Adam's like uh, this is going to be a tad tougher than I thought. <laughs> and the next thing we see is a bunch of there's a bunch of junk between the Ark and Earth. And, again, Cobra, Lord Cobra. That's probably a better name for him. Lord Cobra is similar to Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe. He sees all this stuff, for he's like, It shall not stop us. men plot a course. I guess they're a little different. Cobra Commander starts destroying furniture and computers and getting upset. <laughs> and then we find out that uh, Captain Adam and... Uh, Firestorm put the junk in the, the, the wreckage from the invasion in the way of the arc. So, again, I like how they're referencing the, the past series that took place like a year ago or so, our time, I think it was. And, again, fire I love these appearances of Firestorm. He flies in, uses his nuclear powers to uh, close off the jets, to make it hard for him to make re-entry. He transmutes, transmutes the hole into a metal with a super dense molecular structure. makes it heavier. And so, again, Firestorm using his power on this craft. And, again, I love when Firestorm uses his powers. That's one thing I kind of get annoyed with. And I don't care much for the CW show how they kind of don't use it. They only use it, like, once or twice. So, it's kind of to me, it's kind of annoying being a Firestorm fan. I think they're totally underusing them. And then Captain Adams going through here and fusing the lower altitude jets so they can't get back into orbits. And so basically, they're forcing the ship to Earth. Yeah. His men are telling him the Cobra controls aren't responding. He's like, Fix them! Curse you! I will not have all my work thwarted by mechanical failure. Don't just stand there, fool! Fix the damn. And again, here's a Cobra Commander thing where he smashes the monitor. It's not going to help, buddy. <laughs> Uh, and again, I like this here on... Again, not quite poster-worthy, but this here on page 18 looks like. Where we get the Ark coming into orbit. Uh, we get the ships underneath them. Like, wow! It's a, it's a nice nice page. I like the ships here. And then again, the, the checkmate ships start firing on the Ark. And, uh... <laughs> I'm not quite sure what Peacemaker's role in this was because it seems like he's changed it. Because all of a sudden, uh, I guess Briscoe's like, Thanks for the action, Peacemaker. Or, yeah, Briscoe's like, Thanks, for, ready for the action, Peacemaker? We're, huh? And also we see Peacemaker uh, ejecting out of the craft. Said, I'll see you later, Briscoe. Thanks for the lift. But I got work to do. And again, Firestorm again uses his, his molecular powers to transport the cargo bay doors into a, uh, an opening makes it turns into air or something like that. Helium. So, so he turns into helium we like this. It's simple matter to remove the doors by transforming them into helium, with the dual results of clearing the way for planes and using the sudden compression of the hangar deck to sweep it clean of any resistance. And so the ships land, lets all their passengers out, they're all en masse so they can survive the lack of oxygen in this room. And again, the next couple pages we get, Cobra having his men attack, we get a fight between the, the heroes and Cobra's forces, and Mark finds time to slip aside, pet his, man, his half manhunter hunter mask on, and uh, also the ship's, you know, it's coming down, so it's kind of wobbling a little, and he's like, "See, if, if this is their idea of a rescue, I'm in big trouble. I see the next couple pages we get some fight scenes we see this one page with uh, an explosion on deck and we get Val Vastok and, Man- and check- a ma- couple checkmate knights fighting some Cobra guys we get uh, Lady Liberty, Dr. Light and Duchess fighting some other guys oh I'm sorry there's a shade in the background almost f- missed her using their powers and weapons to fight these other people Peacemaker, he's just kicking people aside and killing them. He's like, Time to die, you dogs! Blackthorn, another night, is fighting some Cobra agents, either chopping at them or kicking at them, shooting at their guns. And his ship's going down. We get Lord Cobra's like, What is happening, Vod? Your report now! Like, who knows? The ship's clearly afloat. The engines are stressed. Half an hour before we crash, we're going down. curse them. It will not end like this. The invaders shall be destroyed. Yet yeah, my plan, my plan yet implements it. The pulse cannon is still functional. Ready it, Professor Valand. From flying go down to flames, I shall not make the journey alone. That gives you a DB continue. Directive concludes next week in Suicide Squad 50 and in Checkmate number 19, the return of Bishop. So again, we're coming up on the end of the Janus Directive. Again, I'm enjoying it so far. Again, except for some minor quibbles and nitpicks, another great issue. What can I say? I'm doing a podcast on this whole series. I love it. It's fantastic. But let's to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our next book. Now we're gonna have a break. Message time we're gonna take. Booster? Hey, bro. Gah! Bats! Booster! Together! Wow, well, this is great. This is just awesome. You never said you and Booster were friends. (laughs) It never came up. A consummate professional like you, friends with a dilettante like Booster? You're both my friends, okay? You're more of a work friend, and Booster is more of a fun friend. What's more fun than fighting crime? Ooh, he's got you there. Hi, this is FKA Jason's son again. I just wanted to take another minute of your time to tell you about his podcast, Silver and Gold. He and his buddy Roy Charlemagne Clary celebrate the DC Comics characters Booster Gold and Captain Atom, issue by issue, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, the real reason you want to listen to the Silver and Gold is their Throwback Thursday episodes, because I'm the star of those shows. Dad and I review the Silver Age Captain Atom stories published by Charlton Comics in the 1960s you can find the silver and gold podcast on itunes and stitcher you can also follow dad splitting adams blog at captainadamblog.com we all know the real reason you'll be tuning in is to hear me criticize uh i mean celebrate the silver age captain adam in our throwback thursday episodes i can't believe dad roped me into this Silver and gold, searching for silver and gold. If you're alone when you grow old, you'll never find comfort in silver and gold. Aquaman and firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better whenever you find trouble. Catch them in a bubble, or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice in sea on land and Firestorm and Aquaman make a super pair. The Fire and Water Podcast. Celebrating Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm the Nuclear Man. Available weekly on Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm one of your hosts, the Mobile Shag, here to talk about Firestorm. Along with me is my co-host, Rob Kelly, here to talk about some guy that talks to fish. Really? You're going to pull this crap during the promo? Bad enough, I have to put up with your shenanigans every week, but... Now we go back to the fun. Message time is over and done. Welcome back. Hope you got a fresh drink, got some chips, or whatever. Let's get start the next issue. We're looking at Suicide Squad number 30. The cover date on this was 1989, but the on-sale date was May the 2nd of 1989. The cover price was $1. The title of this was called Endgame. Written, as usual, by John Oschinger and Kim Yell. Penciled by John K. Snyder III. Inker was Carl Kiesel. Letter, Todd Klein, Color was Carl Gafford. And editor was Robert Greenberger. And the cover was done by Carl Kiesel. And I've heard, of him, I've heard him called Kiesel Kessel, so I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but... And I flip-flop myself sometimes. And this was reprinted in Suicide Squad, the Janus Directive trade paperback. Again, came out 2016. And you know, the credits I just named off and the synopsis about Raider read all came from Mike's Amazing World of Comics because he said, does such a good job and it saves me some time. Uh, so the synopsis. The combined forces of Checkmate, the Suicide Squad, Project Adam, and several other heroes assault the space arc of Cobra. Inside, the team's fine man who had infiltrated Cobra's ship during the battle? Uh, try that again. During the battle, Silent Majority and Lady Liberty are both killed. Uh, spoilers uh, Cobra tries to escape, but Manhunter stops him. Fearing that the arc will crash in a populated area, Sarge still orders a nuclear strike, which will kill all those on board. Firestorm and Captain Adam destroy the, nu- the missile before it can harm anyone. In the aftermath, the president reorganizes the intelligence committee. Sarge Still, head of the uh, CBI, is appointed as an overseer. Wade Ealing, head of Project Adam, now reports directly to Still. Harry Stein retains control of Checkmate, which is now an independent operation from Task Force X, which has been resolved. Peacemaker is assigned to Checkmate, and Major Victory is assigned to the Suicide Squad, which continues under Amanda Waller's leadership. So, Task Force X has been dissolved, it looks like and Checkmate and uh, Suicide Squad is their own thing, so I guess I'm going to stop this podcast. (laughs) Anyways, that's the synopsis. Let's go look at the actual book. As usual, we're going to start with the cover. The cover uh, again, on the left-hand side, we have the number 10. We have our trade dress of the Genesis Directive. It says part 10 of 11. And on the cover itself, it says Suicide Squad, and we have an all-out battle. We have Lord Cobra up on a uh, Platform watching the battles going on. We see Major Victory, we see Peacemaker, Julie, Boomerang, almost everybody. Dr. Light, Checkmate Knights, Blackthorn, Manhunter, everyone that's everybody's here on the cover battling, fighting these Black Adders. Bonus's Endgame by Oshinger, Yale, Snyder, and Kiesel. It's a great cover, it shows what's going on in the story. Um, this could almost be poster-worthy. Like I say, it's very much it's, the trade dress keeps it similar to the other issues. It's great detail. Uh, we got Bronze Tiger and Manhunter front and center, Checkmate Knight, and then we start getting a little bit smaller as people start fading to the background. But no one's really faded out. I mean, you can tell who all the heroes are. Well, I say heroes, the main characters. Uh, we're dealing with the Suicide Squad, so <laughs> not a whole lot of heroes on there besides Bronze Tiger, who's front and center with a Manhunter. But this is a great cover. Uh, again, I wouldn't mind having this as a poster. Just look at the great detail in this cover. we got Boomerang fighting. Uh, we see Duchess back there with her gun, Dr. Lights. Just looking Vixen, as I said. Yeah, it's a great story. And then we start our actual story itself. We get Captain Adam shooting at the Ark. We get a little editor's note here to read Checkmate number 18 first. Uh, you may want to read the last nine issues of this, but definitely, yeah, read Checkmate number 18. I love Captain Adam. He's a great character. He's here front and center. We get a uh, good little communication burst from for Checkmate Knight. to... Uh, Bronze Tiger, Nightshade, reporting in, letting you know what's going on. <laughs> Nightshade's like, Nightshade the Fat Lady, no fatale- fatality so far. Trust you're not disappointed. <laughs> and then here on page two, you had a nice scene here at the top of uh, Ravon with his, uh, I forget, out or whatever, to show people. Behind him, we get Boomerang and Punch and Julie and Bronze Tiger and Vixen just fighting these different uh, Cobra soldiers. And all of a sudden, a Adder leaps down between Ravon and uh, Boomerang. And, and as Ravon goes to choke him, Mark throws his hand up and blocks it, hits him with his baton, and says, Hey, Truce, White Flag, it's me. Manhunter. What Play Pigeon? Uh, again, I think Manhunter kind of is in the fault here. He should have... Paid attention to what he was doing, and not not leapt down right in front of an assassin. Uh, that was Mark's silly move there. But again, uh, he gets his hand cut by the wire that he was going to go through his throat. So I guess better his hand than his throat. And again, Manhunter catches Bronze Tiger up. What's going on? That's when there's a uh, an electromagnetic pulse cannon set the fire. Bronze Tiger lets Eve, aka Nightshade, know about that. And she's like, Bronze Tiger's like, did you copy that, Eve? And Nightshade's like, yes, so did the Night Squad. And since this is a relay frequency, Waller, God help us, hurt as well. She wants this Timbuk to destroy it immediately, Ben. The lives of the hostages won't be a damn thing to her. And uh, <laughs> it looks like Mark uh, Shaw stills, boo Uh, Handkerchief to, or scarf, whatever, to wrap around his hand. (laughs) Boomerangs, have a mo, that's my scarf you're peaching. It's genuine silk. (laughs) Mark's wrapping around his hand like, it's genuine rayon. I'll buy you another one. (laughs) And so he takes him to where the pulse cannon's at. Back in on Earth, we get uh, Flo talking with Amanda Waller, patching him in with uh, Commander Still. And again, we get a little reference here to the previous issue. Well, the previous issue we talked about, checkmate eighteen, where Bush Pet still in charge of everybody. And again, they hash out their little uh, dilemma here that you know that he's in charge of everything. Which, man, I don't think Amanda's really happy with, but she'll get the job done. And he tells Amanda that the president has ordered a strike on a nuclear strike on the arc before it lands in a populated area. And Amanda goes off on him, you know. And at first you might think she's concerned about the people on board, but no, she's just worried about a nuclear strike on the uh, ship when it's with within the Earth's atmosphere. It's like, what are you, are we crazy? you trying to do Cobra's job for him? And Till's like, well, the plan's to employ a large, a single missile with a low megaton warhead and trust that Captain Adam can contain the damage to an isolated area. And he's like, the potential for uh, risk has been judged it's better to do that for the dark crash. Amanda's like, what about our people? There's no time to get them off. And Still's like, your people? You've always labeled and treated them as expendable, Waller. And Amanda's like, set this straight still. I take risks, but I never just throw away my folks' lives. What you're doing is criminal and human. Do you hear me? And so again, last issue, if I remember right, or you know, the issue I just talked about, she seemed a little more willing to sacrifice them if need be. But here, yeah, she's taking up for her people. And again, this is Amanda Waller. This is the, And again, I hate to go back to it, but the one thing I really disliked in the Suicide Squad movie that she was willing to shoot her support staff just because they may have seen something they shouldn't have. That's not Amanda Waller. This is Amanda Waller, in my opinion. She, again, she will sacrifice people she needs to, but she does have some respect for human life. I, I didn't see that in that scene in the Suicide Squad movie. So I think I hate keep harping on that, but it just really bugged me because I thought, uh, what's her name, Viola Davis, did a good job as Amanda Waller, other than that one scene, I don't blame her for that, I blame the writers. And again, here we see that they say, you know, still stills telling her the point is moot, they've already launched the missile, and we see that it looks like her primary concern is for Ben Turner, aka Bronze Tiger. Because I like this here at the bottom of page 5. We see a missile getting ready to launch. And in, in set to that, we see have a panel of men to wall her eyes closed. her kind of about a little bit like Ben. So again, we can see that she has an affection for Ben. Uh, whether it's a brother-sister affection or maybe a little bit more, I'm not quite sure. But she does fill for Ben. And she hates to see him lost. At the bare minimum, she wants to see Bronze Tiger uh, lost this way. Because again, unlike... Most of the other group. He's not a villain. He's a, uh, a hero that's helping him out. So, And then we're back on board the ship where we have uh, Cobra Commander, I mean Lord Cobra, yelling, Let them come. I shall fire the cannon myself. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands will fall on my feet. I will prevail. And one of his scientists is trying to get him to leave. And he's like, I shall not be swayed Remove your hand before you feel the fangs of Cobra. And again, the scientists is making a plea for him that, you know, we'll make sure the cannon's fired. From this height, the eastern seaboard of the United States will be annihilated. Everything, you know, the the country will come down collapsing, but you need to leave. You are the embodiment of Kala. You, we can't lose you. Please, Lord, let us be true to our destinies. And again, so he pulls back his mask, looks some tears going down his eyes. I understand now. I need to be the avatar of chaos. And so a terrible beauty is born. I accept my destiny. I will escape, carry out my will. You all have my blessing. And he marches away all his troops like Hell Cobra, all oh, praise and honor to Lord Naganaga. And you know what? I think this Cobra's got his troops a little more. Brainwashed, a little more uh, under control than Cobra Commander does over in G.I. Joe. I don't I don't know. Sometimes some of the guys would do this. I'm just debating on who's the better leader. Uh, Lord Cobra or Cobra Commander. <laughs> they both have their moments of, ins- moments of insanity and just general destruction when they get upset. But I like to hear top of page eight. Uh, Lord Cobra's got his hands up. He's accepting the praise and the, uh, the alteration of his people. And all of a sudden, we see the Suicide Squad come busting in. And between he, uh, Lord Cobra and our teammates here, just a bunch of ninjas and Cobra guys and the scientists, Valad whatever his name is, like, kill them while I am the cannon. And Braun Stiger's saying, scatter. Free about Cobra. Get the Bulls cannon. And Mark, uh, Mark Shaw, manhunters like, cannons all yours, Ben. There's a word on Cobra. Yeah, is now Manella's out dogging, hide. And we get a little fight. We see Boomerang uses Boomerang. Vixen using her powers. I love Vixen using her powers. It reminds me of Animal Man. Uh, we see an image of the animal she's using. I love the way this works. And she gets shot in the side, and Ben again cares very much for her. So he's like, Mary, or Mari. As he leaps into these uh, cobras, we see uh, Silent Majority multiplying up the can, trying to take the pulse cannon out. As he gets near the top, his his other selves are being killed left and right. And as he gets near the top of the tower, uh, the scientist pulls the gun out, just shoots a point blake, kills him off. As I mentioned in the uh, synopsis, And then we get a bunch of checkmate knights, Valstock. It just crashing here on page 11. Just a free for all fight between the checkmate knights, Valstock, and uh, Blackthorn, with the Cobra black adders and the Cobra soldiers just fighting. And then we hear we have uh, Captain Adam, and on the next page, page uh, 12, I believe, yeah, page 12, Captain Adam and Firestorm floating outside the ship. They see the the missile coming. <laughs> I hear top page 12, Captain Adam's talking to. Firestorm, you, you become a grade-A jerk. And then it kind of turns real quick like, cripes, a nuke! And Firestorm turns to glass, it looks like. Here on page 12, he's like, get in touch with those on the ground. Tell them another such attack will not be tolerated. <laughs> Again, I love Firestorm at this point. He's very, very direct, very... He, he doesn't have the the witty banter or the uh, the average superhero... Dialogue, he's just very straight and to the point. Tell him another attack will not be tolerated. Meanwhile, back on the ship, we get Cobra trying to escape. Mark jumps out with his baton, knocks out some of his guys. And he's like, You're under arrest, Cobra, for breaking just about every law that ever existed. And Cobra's like, Then take me if you can. Mister, that's how I make my living. So they start to fight. Meanwhile, go back to the uh, main fight on the ground. I like here the middle of page 14 on the top. We got uh, Ben, a bunch of bodies laying around him. We got the scientists on the panel next to him, locking the coordinates on. And then we get the middle, a great big panel of the page. We get Major Victory, Major Force, uh, Duchess, Shade with his vest powering up, and Night Shade just getting ready to attack these Cobra. soldiers. just a great page. Eve's like this way as her night night uh, powers, whatever it is, come streaming out of her, getting ready to attack. It's just a really cool page. Like, not quite poster worthy, but it's a very nice scene. If I could have this page signed by the artist, that'd be nice. Then we get Braun Sager at the bottom. Get the pulse Cap. Forget everything else. We're out of time. And then here at the top of page 15. We get uh, Duchess and Peacemaker talking. As they're firing their big guns, Peacemaker's like, nice gun. Duchess like, made it myself. Make one for me. (laughs) So they are buying each other's hardware and weaponry. (laughs) I just love this book. It's great. We get a punch controlling Dr. Light as he's shooting all these guys. (laughs) And then his wife, Julie's like, headshots, darling. Headshots... Popping their guts. is so icky. <laughs> I love the dialogue between Punch and Julie. It's just great comedic, but kind of disturbing dialogue. And then we get Nightshade using her power. She makes everything black so the scientists can't see what he's doing. And then, uh, what's her name? Lady Victory, I want to say. Lady Liberty. She jumps in before the cannon gets fired. And it's hard to tell what's going on. It's all verse. Everything's black. Uh, we get someone. I'm assuming it's Lady Victor saying, "Be He is, and he is, as you say, good as stopped. And then we get someone yelling, "Lady, don't! You're too close. You'll be killed." I'm not sure that's Mark or who. It doesn't look like Nightshade. I'm not quite sure who that is. You know, that's probably a Major Victory because he's there on the next page next to her. And uh, again, I thinking Lady isn't. I'm not sure of your name. You're a lady, but. Her name is Lady Liberty, so it's yeah, that's what it is. As major as I talk this out amongst myself with you guys. I'm sure it's Major Victory saying Lady as in Lady Victory or Lady. Can't uh, say Victory. Lady Liberty. Don't you're too close to be killed. She blasts the cannon. The cannon explodes. and we see Major Victory holding her dead body. Oh, no, no. Kind of like Darth Vader at the end of uh, Episode Three. <laughs> and then we get Major Force flying up He's up kiddies, the heavyweights are here enough games, I got a date I got a date tonight, he starts blasting people and again we get to the mop up here and people reporting in, most of the group still alive, we got a few casualties uh, we get Firestorm Tanger next to Bronze Tigers Bronze Tigers reporting in, we're alive for the most part Lady Liberty and Cyber Majority are both dead, Manhunter Cobra missing, wants to look and man is like, no, Cobra's probably escaped, and all of a sudden, plop right in front of him. And, uh, Ben's like, scratch that, Cobra just turned up, and he's like, my my my, so did Manhunter. And Mark's like, he's all beat up and bleeding and bruises, clothing all torn. He's like, tell the fat lady she owes me extra for this gig, and tell her it's the last one I'm doing for her. And again, so we get. Again, outside, we get a uh, major force and firestorm, Captain Adam. And it looks like uh, firestorm's doing a lot of work right here. So I'm not quite sure what's going on. Captain Adam, I believe, I that's uh, Bronze Tigers telling major force it's his turn. So he does some blasting of some sort, and then apparently, uh, Firestorm reduces its density to near zero and flies off and leaves the ship with Captain Adam, who just obliterates the ship. And Captain Adam in mission control. Mission accomplished. The Janus Destructive is closed. And so the story ends there. we got a couple of epilogues, which I'll touch on in just a minute. Again, I love this scene here. Firestorm altering the ship's density as he flies away. Captain Adam's head pops up. I'll take care of it. And we just see him just laying out his, his energy and he's just, the ship just boom. great scene here on page 19. And then we get our first epilogue at Bell Rev. Uh, they're letting Miss Lane out of her prison. Last time we saw her, Kel was taking her off to uh, give her the full story in quotes. And uh, she's like, I'm suing you Kel and the government for kidnapping, false arrests, whatever else I can think of. Right after I spread this whole affair across the front page of the planet. And this lawyer guy shows up. Uh, then you'll have to wait a long time. They've gone through a very they've got a very thorough injunction against you. I'm your lawyer and I can't and they, and you can't even tell me about it. It's actually a very impressive bit of legal sandbagging. <laughs> and Scale walks away, he's like, I hope you've enjoyed your stay at Bell Rail, Ms. Lane. You're invited back anytime. Provided of course that you get the necessary security clearance. And he's like, You keep on laughing, Buster, because I will be back. I will find out everything that's wiggling under your slimy rock. And make you sorry you ever heard the name of Lois, and also she gets hit in the pi- face with a pie. Someone's gonna have a very Someone's gonna have to pay a terrible price for this. So again, the, the pie throwing bannett that showed up here a couple of issues ago. Now that the main dreadful part of the story done where they're all fighting's done. He shows back up and pies Lois Lane. We epilogue two, Washington, DC. We get all these big mucky mucks sitting around talking to the presidents. And, President, basically, where I talked about in the synopsis as Ray lays out what's going to happen, he's like, You people make your living by deceit and skullduggery. Well, heck, so did I at one time. I just thought all about interdepartment rivalry. You people raised it to an art form. The only reason Cobra got as far as he did was he played you people like violins. So we're going to make sure this never happens again with a little reorganization. And then we get scenes of everybody close up as their faces, he talks to everybody. He's like, Sarge Steele? You'll continue your recent job of overseeing all metahuman covert activities as cabinet-level official reported directly to me. The CDI will continue substantially as it was being your principal agents. You, General Ealing, will oversee all military use of metahumans. The day-to-day operations of the Adam Project will be assigned to Captain Allard. You'll also report to Sarge Dale. I remember right, Captain Allard is uh, a guy right underneath uh, Ealing. He shows up in the Captain Adam book all the time. He continues on. Task Force X is dissolved. Damn, does it mean I gotta stop my podcast? Eh, I'll continue on. A checkmate will run as an independent agency Report to Sarge Steele. Project Peacemaker will become a part of Checkmate. Harry, you'll also report to Steele. Miss Waller, you will remain for the moment as head of Suicide Squad. Major Victor will also be assigned to the squad. You now report to steel too. You you remain the head of the squad permanently will depend on how much of a team player you show yourself to be, and she's got this nasty look on her face like I don't like this, and she's like, why am I being singled out here? If it wasn't for me, Cobra would would have won. I'm the one who smoked him now. and Bush like, and you never told me, you play the lone wolf too often, Ms. Waller, and you enjoy it too much. That may have worked under the former administration, but it won't work under mine. End of discussion. So again, this is Bush petting Manderbilt in her place, which she doesn't like, but we'll see how she handles it in the future episodes. And then we get up Log 3 in Rev. And we get uh, Murph talking to Bronze Tiger, saying, you know, glad you made it back. I won the pool. How's Vixen? <laughs> She'll be okay. No permanent damage. Damage. Is it really locked up Cobra? And we get a voice where we see Cobra sitting there just meditating. Murph's like, yeah. Can we the creep thanked us as we slapped him to solitary? says, just what you want needed right now. And Ben's like, I oh, wouldn't worry about it, Murph. He's just trying to ride out your cage. And he got into his own. He's not going anywhere. And then we get a close-up of uh, Naga Naga. His eyes are closed and he opens them up. And there's like black, like Starscape or something inside there. And we hear a voice saying, beloved. Next time, Settling Dust. So, again, that's the, not the end. There's another issue to go. But that's ultimately the end of the storyline for the most part, except for the wrap-up in the uh, Captain Attenborough, I believe it is. Again, it was a great story. Uh, again, I love the, this this portion of it. Amanda Waller's great. She get better place, even better. Like I said, I love Amanda Waller, especially this version. And I love how she's very much in control of the situation normally. So for Bush to kind of pet her in her place and just to let her know, hey, lady, this is how it's going to be. That's a great scene. I love that. And I'm sure that's going to come up to play later on because, again, Amanda, she doesn't do too well with being pet in her place with uh, being told what to do. So we'll see how that all works out in upcoming episodes. But I think that's going to do it. I said, we back next month with the conclusion of this. And then there's a a little bit more, a couple pages in Firestorm, which we'll talk about briefly. it will probably be a smaller episode next month, because there's only one issue plus the Firestorm issue. Just to finish off the Janus Directive. But um, just my notes here real quick, yeah, Captain Adam 30 is issue 11, and there's an epilogue in Firestorm 87. Again, just a few pages. But another chance to talk about Firestorm, so I'm not going to turn it down. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Again, feel free to send me your thoughts. Let me know what you guys think. Do you guys enjoy the show? Anything you'd like to see changed? Anything you want to see me keep doing? I am open to suggestions. Let me know. Send me an email to taskforcex at headspeaks.com. You can leave feedback on the website, on the Facebook page, or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave me some feedback. Let me know what you think about the show. I don't get very much feedback. I, I feel like I'm operating in the dark here, just speaking to the wind. I'm going to keep doing it because I enjoy these books, but I, I would appreciate it better if I actually got some sort of uh, feeling for you guys and some thoughts and what you guys think about it. So definitely let me know. I'm open to hear what you guys have to say. But I guess that's going to do it for this month. Until next month. As always, I remain Aaron Moss. Uh, this is the Task Force X Podcast. And until next month, squad mates dismissed. into another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main headcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever is bugging me. Mate, you just had crazy the Joker. <laughs> well, I tried Boomer, but... Anyways, my home on the internet is at headspeaks.com. H-E-A-D-S-P-E-A-K-S dot C-O-M. Links to my blog, which contain follow-up information to this and every headcast, can be found there. Both Task Force X and HeadSpeaks are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at HeadSpeaks.com under HeadCasts. Please feel free to email me any questions, comments, or concerns to X at HeadSpeaks.com. And if you want to record a message, you can send it to me at TaskForceX at HeadSpeaks.com. And I'll play it on the air. I'm also on Facebook at Task Force X, and also on Google Plus, you can look for Task Force X under people pages. All titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, or Task Force X. I'm just a big fan, of wanting to spread the Task Force X love with everyone else. Uh, DC Comics can be found on the web at dccomics.com. Be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for Suicide Squad and Checkmate Comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that may interest you. (laughs) Motherfucker. Well, make sure you join us here next time for another fun-filled podcast from your friendly neighborhood brotherhead. In the meantime, I'll see you in the funny pages. Hey!